Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Middle Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, yes, how wonderful it is to know this truth that you took us out of Egypt and you brought us into the promised land and you gave us this revelation of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that forever we know this that our names are written in your Lamb's book of life. Nobody can steal it, nobody can take it away because a price was paid for it. Let the name of Jesus Christ then be glorified this day in the rest of our lives. And we thank you, Father, that the entrance of your word, that it gives light and it brings understanding to the simple. And you are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory as we thank you for this in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you agree with me, let's give our God a praise offering this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, band. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see people at this time of the year still wanting to be in the house of God. It's wonderful to see Pastor Harold and Mordia as well. It's always good. It's always good, you know, when leaders lead from the front. It's wonderful to see all of you here this morning, and greetings this morning also to those via the live stream, wherever you may find yourself. May the Word of God minister to you as well, and may His anointing be upon you. I want to start this morning's message, just one scripture, you don't have to go there, I just want to start with this, Luke 18 verses 8. Our Lord Jesus Christ was telling this parable about a widow who was suffering to get a righteous outcome from an evil judge. And in the end, she relented, and the judge gave in, and he gave her the righteous verdict. And the Lord proved to this that how much more will he do for his own elect? But then in verse 8, he says these words. Luke 18, verse 8, he says this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? What a question. When the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? He wasn't talking about faith to be found in hell because the people who are in hell are in hell because they have no faith. They have rejected the faith. He wasn't talking about the people in heaven because they are in heaven and they're rejoicing because they have been rewarded because of their faith. He's talking about coming back again. And when He comes back again, will He find faith? faith. You see, every single day, our faith is challenged. All of us, every single day, experience some form of challenge to our faith. We live by faith because it is who we are. We are sold out to God, and there's nothing in us that lives anymore. And every day, we let go more and more of that. But our faith is challenged because we see how this world is operating at the moment, That which we believe in God's Word is being challenged this very moment. The things that used to be right is now called wrong. The things that we hold dear in terms of morals and in terms of ethics and in terms of beliefs, every single day it is challenged. And the things which used to be wrong is now called right. And every day we deal with it. You in the workplace, wherever you may find yourself in your own journey with God. And God tells us that this is not going to get better. In 1 Timothy 4 verses 1, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, many will depart from the faith. Comprehend that for a moment. It talks about believers who once believed are going to walk away. I still can't comprehend it. 
Then he says, they will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. They will speak lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Think of it for a moment. There are believers, those who have confessed Jesus Christ, they are going to depart from the faith. How can it be? How can it be? It must only bring us to one conclusion, that their faith is very weak. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, We can't please God except by faith. We can't please God except by faith. You know that in the Bible, in the book of Matthew alone, four times our Lord Jesus uses this one phrase. He says, O you of little faith. O you of little faith. And not once does he mention it as a compliment. It is a rebuke. Because Christ didn't come to die so that we would have little faith. He addresses that every single time. He wants us to move from that little faith. Little faith means this in the Greek. It means that our faith has a lack of confidence. It says our faith trusts too little. And it says our faith is underdeveloped. Why was Jesus so hard on faith? Why would he not accept little faith? Because the price that he paid with his blood and with his body on the cross was not equal to little faith only. There was so much more that he had in mind for us. Two times only in the whole New Testament, our Lord Jesus mentions two people and he calls them people of great faith. And they weren't Jews. They weren't the disciples or apostles. They were Gentiles. And in Matthew 8 from verse 5 to 13, we read of the story of the centurion. This is after our Lord Jesus spoke on the Mount of Beatitudes and he came down and he went to the city of Capernaum and there met him a centurion who came to him and asked him to please heal his servant. Now I'm just sharing the story with you and I'm paraphrasing here. And this is what the, the, the centurion came up to Jesus and he said to him, please come and heal my servant. And the Lord said, I will come. And he said, no, you don't have to come. Just speak the word. He says, I'm a man in authority. I understand authority. I submit under authority and I have those who submit under authority towards me. You just have to speak the word and by faith it so shall be. And listen to what our Lord Jesus then says in verse 10 of Matthew 8. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, not even amongst his own elect people that he found such grace. The second portion we also find in Matthew, and that's in chapter 15. And there is the story about a Canaanite woman, once again, a Gentile woman. She comes, she hears the Lord is there in the city, and she asked him, and please, please, heal my daughter. She is possessed and tormented by an evil spirit. Jesus at first ignores her. The disciples tell Jesus, rebuke this woman and send her away. But Jesus answers his disciples, and he answers the woman. He answers his disciples, and he says to them, the Son of Man had not come 
except for his people, Israel. This woman started pleading before him and she was begging. She was on her knees and Jesus said to her, and I'm paraphrasing once again, I cannot give to you the bread that is meant for the master and not meant for the dogs. And her reply is, but even the dogs would eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus then replies in Matthew 15, 28, and he says, he answered and he said to, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And the daughter was healed that very hour. Two occasions, only two occasions that our Lord Jesus speaks of people who had great faith. Why would Jesus speak of little faith and why would he talk of great faith? I mean, we would think as believers, we have faith because we are saved. And that means we are saved and we are safe because we've arrived. And this is what God is teaching us. Salvation has got nothing to do with the little or the great faith. I will get to that now. But in terms of salvation, salvation is never the end. It's always the beginning of something that is to follow. Because most Christians miss Christ and miss the beauty of God's Word because we think that salvation is the arrival of something and the line is drawn and we are fine. We miss out everything about God if we believe that is true. Salvation is only the beginning of the journey of the belief. But what our Lord Jesus Christ was talking about here is the faith that is relevant to our relationship with God. You see, if our relationship with God matures, so it is that our faith matures. Because Jesus never wanted us to be people of little faith. He wanted us to be people of great faith. Because when we become people of great faith, He talks of us like this, of this woman and of this man. Because each one of these two stories, there's one significant quality that Jesus highlights. With the centurion that came, he highlights for us to grow our faith. It comes through understanding our authority. This centurion understood authority and he came to Jesus and he acknowledged this is a man who has authority because by authority he is doing what he's doing. He never went to a synagogue because he was a Jew. He was never raised in the Scriptures. He never met Jesus. He did well towards the Jews. He built a synagogue for them. So he must have heard about Jesus. He probably went to the Jews at the time and said, my servant is healed, come and help him. And none of them could help him. And he heard of Jesus. And he understood authority. And Jesus marveled at his faith because a man in authority understood what faith meant. And it was only good enough that Jesus would speak the word. And so it was. God speaks in His Word, Romans 12, verses 2. Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith. When you author a book, you are the authority. You do your research because you write about something that you know. And if Jesus says He's the author of our faith and the finisher of our faith, it means that He starts our faith and He will bring it into perfection. Same with the Canaanite woman. Jesus highlights this one quality. She persevered. She persisted. This word perseverance is endurance, and it means this. It means to persist, to consistently be diligent, and to give yourself continually. You see, whereas Jesus is the author of our faith, our faith is perfected in perseverance. 
This is what Jesus was trying to teach. These two people had three things in common that the Word teaches us. The first thing, they both went to Jesus. They didn't wait to him, for Him to come to their homes. They pursued Jesus. They knew there was only one who could change their situation and their circumstances. And understand this, they were Gentiles. They were not permitted to dwell with the Jews. They were ostracized. They were looked and frowned upon as being Gentiles. They disregarded all customs, all religions, because they went for Jesus. And this is a lesson for all of us. Many of us are holding on to a faith of what we had been taught either at school or in the previous churches you had come from or what your parents had told you. And one day when we stand before God and God says, why should we go into the heavens? And we say, well, this is what my parents taught me. This is what my teachers taught me at school. This is what this particular church taught me. That means nothing because if our faith is not found on God because of our own relationship with God, it's only moved because of customs and traditions. These this man, this man and this woman had a total disregard for all customs and religion. Our cultures are not going to save us. It is not making us greater. Being a Pentecostal or being a Dutch Reformed or being a Methodist is not our ticket into heaven. Our faith is not based on customs and religions. And if it is not based on our own personal relationship, trusting in God Himself, pursuing Jesus at all costs, as this man and this woman did, nothing is going to change for us. Our faith will always stay little. The second thing that the Lord points out that the both of them had in common, and this is admirable, they didn't come and ask for something for themselves. They asked for healing for someone else. For the centurion, it was his servant. For the woman, it was a daughter. What faith is that? You see, sometimes we are so embroiled and so caught up and so almost spiritually mesmerized by our own circumstances, we cannot even think straight. Our circumstances are getting the best of us. We haven't received our breakthrough yet, and we consume by this thing, this trouble, this hardship, this difficulty that we have, that we can't even find ourselves properly in God's Word, or praying, or believing of what God says, because our own circumstances, it overcomes us. Here the Lord teaches us, when your eyes are fixed on someone else, you see their calamity and their hardship. Your own life seems then very insignificant and very small. But what faith it is to stand in the gap for someone else, to want something for someone else. Because I promise you that God's Word says this, if you intercede and pray for another, the Lord will take care of you as well. God will not neglect you. This is the power that God teaches in this. Yes. Glory to God. Praise our Lord Jesus. The third and the last point that, that is similar to both of these, both of them went to Jesus and said, only speak the word. You don't have to come to my house. I don't need your presence to be in my place. Your word is enough. God gave us today his word. It is written, but now God also dwells in us so that wherever we go, he is there also. They didn't have that at the time, but their faith was such that they said to the Lord, you don't have to come to my house. Speak only your word. That is sufficient. Speak only God's word in your circumstance because that is still sufficient today. 
But how do we speak God's Word? You find yourself in God's Word. You have to spend time in God's Word because faith develops from little unto great. It doesn't just arrive at that particular place. You know, nothing has changed concerning God's Word. It is still the same. Jesus is still the same of what was written in this Word of God. Jesus was born in a grave and He died in a, in, in a cave. He was born in a cave and He died in a cave. And the life in between these two caves still proves that He lived a life of faith. It still stands. The Romans couldn't kill Him. The cross couldn't hold Him. The grave couldn't keep him inside and hell would never see him. And yet he came for the world, but he was not of this world. And he's coming again for this world because he will not leave without it. And he could only do this if his faith, his faith was based in the Father. What faith is our faith in? On what do we base it? Because this is our Lord Jesus and nothing has changed. And he teaches us this in his word. This is the same Jesus that you and I still know because God wants us to know three important things this morning that he teaches out of this. And the question will be answered is, how do we grow our faith to get to great faith? And the first thing is faith is not stagnant. Faith grows because each and every single one of us receive a portion of faith. The Word of God says this in Romans 12, verses 3. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That word measure means each one of us received only a limited portion of faith. Now, if you know that you being saved have received a limited portion of faith, what are you going to do with that limited portion? Most people stay with that limited portion. That's why their faith is so small. And why Jesus rebukes them and says, Oh, you of little faith. And then in 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 3, it says there, Paul writes saying that as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly. You see, many of us believers, we have accepted Sunday's faith. We think Sunday's faith is sufficient for us. You know, Sunday's faith is great because we look forward to come to church. We get dressed. We know we're on our way to the house of God. We're going to see fellow brothers and sisters. We come and we have great music. No, the worship and the praise is great and we experience God's anointing. The message that is preached, the healing that comes, God's anointing is there and it encourages us. It makes us bold. But when we go back to our house, come Monday, Tuesday, by Wednesday, def definitely, Sunday's faith is not enough for Wednesday. We come and we live on Sunday's faith and we think that is enough for us. Sunday's faith is little faith. Unless you have Sunday's faith every single day, that only will be great faith. But we need to move beyond Sunday's faith because God's Word says that yesterday's faith is not sufficient. Smith Wigglesworth said this, if you are in the same place today than where you were yesterday, you are a backslider. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said. You look at this here, you see these two large liner cruisers or these cruiser vessels here. This is where most people are stuck. We see the small one and we mesmerized by this. For those of you who are a little bit older than 30 years, you probably know what that is. That is the Titanic. Most people are still stuck at their Titanic faith and you think that is good enough. I have that. 
But right behind it is one of the largest cruiser vessels in the world today. See how small the Titanic compares to that. Because yesterday's faith is not enough for today and what the Lord has in mind for us. We need to move from Titanic faith to gigantic faith. Because this is what the Lord has for each and every single one of us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God says faith must develop. That means something must be done. I must do something. Faith develops through the life that we live, through experiences that we encounter, through hardships and difficult moments that we go through. Faith develops when we spend time in God's Word and we allow it to transform us. You see, faith is never stagnant. Faith moves. It's always on the move. It's a, faith, it's a movement. Someone rightly stated, faith grows in each one of us and then character develops and when that happens, sin become less in our lives. We all know about Moses. We know how Moses ended up. We are all greatly thankful towards God for the lessons we were taught about Moses. But Moses started with little faith. When the Lord called him out of the burning bush, Moses was told, you will go to Pharaoh and represent Israel there to set them free. Moses didn't want to go. He dished up all the possible excuses why he couldn't go. But his faith had to grow. I like this example of this one woman that I recently read about. She's a woman who was embroiled in, 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 in a lot of sin and she got saved. She was in an inappropriate relationship with another woman and the Lord set her free. But listen to what she says. These are her words. She said, I learned to hate sin instead of hating myself. And she said, the way to grace, the way to God's grace is through repentance. How powerful is that? Listen to this. She says, sinful living discourages repentance and sinful living encourages the pride of victimhood. We've got many people walking around in this world today who are a victim of one thing or another. And people take pride in their victimhood. Oh, I have been rejected. Oh, somebody robbed me. Oh, my boss is not giving me an increase. Oh, I have been abused. And people say, let's embrace the victimhood so that the people can live in that sin and that unforgiveness and, that, and not repenting. And they're going straight to hell because what did Jesus Christ die for? If that is the way that we ought to live, to accept that is unacceptable because it totally defeats what this Word of God teaches me. And in my whole life as a Christian, it's fake and yours as well. This woman came to this light and I like what she said. She says here, sin either pulls you away from God or it draws you to God. Because if sin pulls you away from God, you are living in guilt and in condemnation. But if sin draws you to God, you are being led through repentance and by faith you receive God's forgiveness. This is what is available to each and every single one of us. And we build on that. We grow on that so that we can come to the next level. And the next point is when we want to obtain that level of great faith, we have to step out of the boat. We have to. We think it is a hard thing to do. But it only takes a few steps to get out of the boat. You see, the rest of it is, to, is, is for the Lord to do. We always have to take the first move. I wrote three things here about little faith. Little faith cries out about the storms in their lives. But great faith step out of the storm and out of the boat. Little faith, people of little faith are moved by circumstances. 
But people of great faith are moved by what God's word says and what his promises are. Little faith sees the problems and they cry out to God. Great faith sees the miracle and they pursue God. That's the difference between little faith and great faith. Listen, dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we want to obtain that level of great faith, we are going to have to believe that something about the natural senses in this world, the natural laws, has to be impacted. If nothing in this world changes, then it means we have to speak to someone out of this world who can come and change the world that we are living in. Luckily for us, he lives inside of us. That is what great faith means. That means we tune into that, into him that changes our circumstances. Sometimes the Lord will ask a lot of us in this journey that we walk. He will ask a lot of us. But let me assure you this. If God only asks us a little, then we will only have little faith. God only asks a lot of us because he knows that he will provide the grace for us to walk in great faith. You see, to step out of the boat, God gives us the grace to step out of that boat. So, out of that boat. so it was for that woman in Samaria at the well, when Jesus revealed to her that he was the Messiah, it was the first time that Jesus publicly revealed himself as the Messiah to a Samaritan woman. You must understand this. She was despised. Samaritans were despised by Israel, who saw themselves as the elect people. Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah to this woman. And she runs into the city of Samaria, or that little town. She says to them, come and see the man who told me everything about myself. He asked a lot of her, and she went into the whole town. They all came to Jesus, and Jesus spent an extra two days there telling them the things that they needed to know. Many people pitch up, and they just arrive at the well, but they don't drink of the well. If you drink of the well, your faith is going to increase until you become that person who's got great faith, because this is what God wants from all of us. The last point I want to mention is that if you want to move to great faith, you have to believe different. You have to position yourself to believe for a different outcome. If you want a different outcome in your situation and the situation hasn't changed, guess what? You must change. I must change. Change your thinking. Change your life. Change what you say. Change what you speak. But we have to change if we want to have a different outcome. I too was challenged in my own life about having a different outcome in my life. When I just got saved, now I was a night person. I would work late at nights because this is something that happened at university. You know, you study late. You know, you're always busy studying late and naturally that translates into your, your work environment. And then you work late and then after you've worked and now you want to now spend time reading God's word and pray. And what happens? You're always tired. Isn't it so? And I asked the Lord, help me to change. I want to change from being an evening person to a morning person. And like this, it happened. One, two, at most three days, it all happened. And then I started. Because David encourages in Psalm 5, 3, he says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. And in the morning, I will direct it to you. And I will look up. And so my life changed. I wanted a different outcome. But then I realized I didn't have substance. Yes, I was now praying in the morning and reading the Word of God. I just got saved, but I did not have substance. I knew I had to 
increase in my prayer life. I started coming to the prayer meetings on a Saturday. Used to be there in that side all there. And I started listening to the men and the women who prayed. That's the way that I had to learn. And I still listen today. And I realized, even with that, that's only one day in the week. And I've got the Sunday coming to church. There's two days in the week. What about the other five days? How do I fill myself up? I needed consistency in my life. And the Lord pulled me. He pulled me to the Bible school. For three years, my life changed. For those three years, every single day I find myself in the Word of God. Those three years have changed the rest of my life. And forever and forever, I'll be grateful for that. Because that was the foundation that I needed for my faith to move from here, to move it from there. And I'm still climbing. I have not arrived. I'm still learning. I'm still an embryo, I see myself, but I'm still learning. But I find myself in the Word of God because those who have gone before me and who have shown me the way have walked so, and they've walked so diligently. I've got a great example to follow. And the greatest of it all is our Lord Jesus Christ. And every single day when you find yourself in God's Word, He takes you from one place to the next place. You never regress when you spend time in God's Word. Your faith never depletes. That's why I say, I cannot understand why it says in the end, many will depart from the faith. It only means this, we are neglecting our walk with God. We are walking away from the truth of what His Word says. We are letting our ears listen to all the lies and the filth of this Word. I close off with this. A movie was made recently. I haven't seen the movie myself. It's called surprised by Oxford. And it's about this woman who was an agnostic, an unbeliever, and she's highly intellectual, very smart, and she went to Oxford to do her PhD. And she always, she said this, she said, I was always self-reliant. Knowledge was power, and it was the answer to everything. She says here that faith and intellect were not compatible. And so as she enrolled in Oxford, she met a man, and this man was a believer. And slowly but surely, gently, he started talking to her about the Bible. And she's a person who read a lot. And she said, at last, I decided to read the Bible, because she wasn't raised as a Christian. She started to read the Bible, and she said, after I finished the book of Genesis, I came to the conclusion. Listen to what she says. She says, I came to the conclusion, the world is in trouble. No matter how you look at Genesis, she said, whether you look at it literally, whether you look at it metaphorically, whether you look at it prophetically or symbolically, the world is in trouble. Why? Listen to what she says. Because she came to the same conclusion that man is selfish and destructive and chooses himself before God. This, from a person who didn't believe, Coming to this realization, just reading the book of Genesis, listen to what she says here. In all of man's evil, I came to this conclusion. God didn't go anywhere. We did. God is still the same today. What he says in his word still stands. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. That is not going to change. Never will he change. He paid the price for it. On the cross, the grave is empty. We are living proof that this is true. We are living proof. Five things quickly. How can we grow our faith? Number one, the foundation of where you find yourself right now concerning your faith, that is just a foundation. Your faith that you have right now is just a foundation. You must build on that. That's not an arrival. It is just a place from where you are to take off. Second thing, take your eyes off the world. 
because it has to be on someone who is out of this world. Number three, speak less and do more because faith is action. Fourth, remove these words from your vocabulary. I can't, I don't know, it is impossible. How can this be done? Remove that from your vocabulary because the moment you remove it, it's time for a greater force, a greater source, our God to enter into your life. And lastly, ask yourself in every situation that you may find yourself, what would God say? And when you ask that question, you will find the answer right here. What would God say? God rewards great faith, precious child of God, because it produces results. Which one of the two are you there? Are you still stuck on the Titanic? Because we know what happened with it. It sunk. Or are you looking at the larger picture? Let Christ then finish the good work that he had started in each and every single one of us. Let's stand and give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Yes, let's give our Lord Jesus praise. For he's worthy. He's worthy. And here stands great faith. Christ paid a price, not that we would be those of little faith. Go out there in this world and be that man and that woman of which God then would testify, this is a man and a woman of great faith. Let's close our eyes. O oh, glorious Father, blessed be your name, because truly, Lord, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Lord, strengthen us in this day by the anointing of your Holy Spirit, that we will move and be in that place continuously moving, that our faith will be great, that through this we will bring glory to you and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. And if we believe in this, we all say, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.